listening to Treasuring Scripture, a podcast of the weekly teaching ministry of Lebanon Baptist Church, Roswell, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us at LebanonBaptist.org. Wow, I don't know about you, but as I sang that last song, I couldn't help but think of many of the past Thanksgivings that we've all shared, and no doubt this Thanksgiving... There will be a mingling of both joy, but also some sorrow. Some of you this past year said bye to dear friends, family members. Some of you wasn't this past year. It's been as of late, and their place at the table will be empty. And... uh, We realize that we, at this point, live by faith and not by sight. We look forward to that day uh, when all the promises will finally be received. And, uh, and those of you who, uh, even this week, are, are dealing with that type of sorrow, I, uh, there's a song I've listen to it's called the thanksgiving song wasn't planning to share this but it's just a song that basically talks about uh, memories of the past and going to a particular meal and people are missing there but what the songwriter does is really expresses what solomon does in the book of ecclesiastes and it's this life is fleeting life goes fast We are to eat and drink and enjoy this life, but know that there's an eternity coming. And if there's anything we can do is we can give thanks in the midst of the toil and trials of life because we know Christ and we know that one day as we just sang, he will wipe away all those tears and we walk by faith and not by sight. And I trust you'll do that this week. This week, of course, our nation has set aside a day of thanksgiving. I'm thankful they have done that. In view of that, I chose to break from our series in Romans to focus particularly on a psalm of thanksgiving. Providentially, the psalm that I've chosen, the Psalm 107 that I read to you just a few moments ago, really in many ways dovetails with our series in the book of Romans. Of course, we've been looking at, in Romans chapter 1, man's problem of idolatry. And really, what is idolatry? Idolatry is where you and I have failed to honor God and give thanks to him. And we replaced him with his creation, and particularly ourselves. And of course, Romans is an answer to that. It's the gospel and how the gospel, when you understand what Jesus did and when you embrace Christ, what happens is Jesus Christ redeems you, restores you, and reorients your life to live out what you actually are supposed to be living for. It's to be giving thanks to him and living in relationship with him every day. That's, that's the mission of your life. We should be people gospel people who live in gratitude to God every single day. 
So it's not like this Thursday is a day of Thanksgiving. I mean, I know uh, Mark, who was leading our music today, Mark, Mark likes to celebrate not just his birthday, but he likes his birthday month, okay? <laughs> this is my month, my birthday month. And you know what? Let me encourage you, Thanksgiving should be every day for you. That's why he saved you. In fact, that's why you... Th- th- that helps you live. That is a sustenance of your life to be a person who is constantly giving thanks. And today, we focus on Psalm 107 to encourage you to that end. I've already read it, but would you join me as I say one more prayer and ask God to help us today? Father, you know exactly the baggage that everyone today has come in with when it comes to the trials of life. I ask today that you would use this particular text to help us to cast our care upon you because we know you care for us. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. In our fallen world, trouble comes at us from various different angles. You remember what Job said in Job 5? He said this, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Just like a fire, you see the sparks coming up from a fire. If you have an outdoor fire play, I mean outdoor fire going on, it's like man, it's just natural. You're going to have trouble in your life. I know for us, even in my own family, sometimes it's a phrase that we have said numbers of times, even this past year, is life is hard. It's hard. Some of you are walking in today, and if you were able to unpack your life right now, it has been very difficult for you to navigate life. You'd say, that's where I'm at right now. Look at my health record or my relationships, the ones I'm trying to sustain. It's just hard right now. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your parenting. Our text has trouble all the way through it. You say, where is it? Look at verse 2. He says this, let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he hath redeemed from. Here it is, trouble. Go down to verse 6. It says this, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Verse 13, and they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Verse 19, there it is again, trouble. Verse 28, trouble. And I guarantee you look at... Lebanon Baptist 101, and you're going to find the word trouble here, okay? This psalm invites those of us who have trouble to give thanks to God who ultimately has and ultimately will redeem his people. So today we're going to learn this simple truth as we navigate this text. It's wise, redeemed people give thanks to God. Wise, redeemed people give thanks to God. Of course, all of you know in the New Testament it tells you that. First Thessalonians, you know the text, 
in everything, what? Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Everything. Whatever is going on in your life, you have been commanded by the God of heaven to give thanks in it. And of course, we know we can give thanks in it if you're a child of God. is because we know that he's working all things to conform us more into his image. But this psalm is, you could say in many ways, an Old Testament version of that second or first Thessalonians passage. In this psalm, uh, we see a command for us and an invitation for us to give thanks. One of my uh, commentators labeled this psalm, God to the rescue. Giving me a little background. What's happening? We're in Psalm 107. Well, Psalm 107 possibly ends a little bit of a trilogy. Psalm 105, 106, and 107 could be treated together. Psalm 105, you could say, is God's promises. Psalm 106 is God's punishment. And God's rescue is found here in Psalm 107. As you read the text, the internal evidence seems to point to this psalm having been written during the days where they returned from exile. Many of you know because Israel had forsaken the Lord and his covenant, God had allowed Israel to be taken into captivity into other nations, the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Now after having navigated a bunch of trouble, God brings them through it, and this psalm celebrates how God rescues his people from their trouble. So in it, we're going to see three of that things. If you're a note taker, here they are, okay? We're going to see the invitation to thanksgiving. We're going to see the testimony of thanksgiving, and finally, the wisdom of thanksgiving. But let's start with the invitation to thanksgiving. Thankfully, guess what? All of you are getting an invitation this year to Thanksgiving. And God does it here in Psalm 107. Notice our text begins with a command, an imperative. Verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. This is a command. In fact, our translators add the word O to intensify it. You know, we do that. Whenever we're really trying to emphasize something, we say, oh my goodness, or uh, oh, I love it. For some reason, this little jingle kept coming to my mind from when I was a kid. Some of you remember this. Oh, there's no single cheese like Velveeta. Because Velveeta is more than, I think, I can't even remember the rest of it, but it was celebrating processed cheese, okay? (laughs) But it started with O, or at least I think it does. We celebrate a lot of different things, and here our translators intensify it, say, oh, give thanks. Give yourself to this. Who? Give yourselves to giving thanks to the Lord. He then invites God's people to give thanks to him. And so I do, in the same way, invite all of you, not just today, but the rest of your lives, to live a life of giving thanks to the Lord. 
for his goodness and his steadfast love. Many at Thanksgiving oftentimes don't know where to address their Thanksgiving. Josh Groban has a song that's very catchy here at Thanksgiving. But you know what the song basically does? It says, you need to be giving thanks. And then there's a little phrase in there. It says, we all must find our truth. Let me tell you, there's only one place where there's truth. Okay. And then, of course, it encourages you to pray, but not to anyone particular. And in our society, here in 2022, everyone said, hey, you need to give thanks this week. But who are they giving thanks to? What are they giving thanks for? Is, it, is the answer me? Do I just give it to another person? But here what we learn, if you are God's people, you are invited to give thanks to a particular person. It's to the Lord, to Yahweh. You say, how do I get to know this Yahweh? Well, you get to know him through his final word, his son, Jesus. And if you're here today and you have never met God's final word, his son, this is where you begin the thanksgiving. You've got to come to know him as your savior. And when you do come to know him, it opens up, you could say, the Godhead to you. And the psalmist here invites you to be someone who gives thanks to the Lord for two things. For his goodness and for his steadfast love. Possibly his goodness is a more general term that the spring of love flows through. But that word, his steadfast love, if you were to look at that word in the Hebrew, it's not two words, steadfast love. It's one word. It's that famous Hebrew word called chesed. I remember some of my professors defining that word as this, God's loving loyalty to you. His loving loyalty. You and I have been invited on a daily basis to give thanks to Yahweh, God, for his goodness and for his loving loyalty to us. Will you heed that invitation? Now, who were invited to do this? Look at what it says in verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So these are the ones whom he has redeemed. Those who were in trouble, as it says. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. We're to open our mouths and give thanks to him. Why? He redeemed us from some trouble. The next word hints of, the next verse hints of giving us an idea of why he's talking and he thinks about the exile because it says in verse 3, and he gathered them from the lands, from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. And if you're aware that when Israel went into captivity, the people spread. Kind of like what's going on right now in the Ukraine. Okay, when another nation invaded, the people spread all out. They dispersed across the world. But what this text is saying, God is now gathering them from the lands. He's bringing them in and they ought to be people because they've been redeemed by God to give thanks to him. And of course, we can expand this, you and I who are reading this text here in the New Testament era. 
to all of God's people for all of time. What Israel experienced in Psalm 107, God does for us now. And of course, he will do in the future. He's going to gather all of his people together. Read the book of Ephesians and read the book of Romans. And you'll learn how you and I have so many benefits of being brought into this incredible people of God. So as you and I read this psalm in the Old Testament, we ought to be people that are invited to join in this Thanksgiving feast. Not just one day, but all days. But then what the psalmist does is he gives four situations in which he delivered Israel and they're beautiful pictures of what he does for us. So we've seen the invitation to Thanksgiving in verses 1 through 3. Now I want you to see the testimony of Thanksgiving that kind of plays out through the rest of the psalm. You'll notice immediately after the invitation, the psalmist shares how he's rescued us from the four different directions of the world, the north, south, east, and the west. But then he talks about four different situations in which he's delivered people from. Have you ever made a 911 call purposefully? Okay, a lot of us have done it unpurposefully with these new cell phones that you, you touch them in the wrong way. It says, did you want to call 911? And I'm like, I know for me, particularly when I was a youth pastor for some reason, I had to call 911 a number of times. Uh, I remember one time we were on a mission trip. We were out at Yosemite. We had visited that day and someone had fell, fallen off a rock, not in our youth group, but someone else. And I'm calling 911 in the middle of that situation. In this particular psalm, what you find is four 911 calls. And they're all going to the Lord. And in each situation, you have the same thing happen. You have this. You have some trouble that happens. You have the call or the cry, you have the rescue, they show up on the scene, and then you see a call for you to give thanks in the midst of it. Each of the situations start with the word some. Okay, let me show you in the text how it just falls apart. Look what it says in verse 4. Some wandered. Okay, go down to verse 10. Some sat in darkness. Go down to verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways. And then go down to verse 23. Some went down to the sea in ships. So there are your four, four 911 calls. Okay. You have the wanderers, the prisoners, the sick, and the storm tossed. And in each of the situations, you learn some particular truths. Let me give them to you. What do we learn in each of the 911 calls? Number one, you learn this. We will encounter trouble in life. In the first situation, it says they wandered in the desert to find a city. Notice what it says in verse 4. Some wandered in desert waste, finding no way to a city to dwell in. And of course, this probably spoke of the situation where they're fleeing from Babylon or the Assyrians. Notice there was hunger and thirst. And probably, no doubt, in the midst of the whole invasion of Russia into the Ukraine, the Ukrainians, as they were fleeing to different spots, I guarantee many of those fleeing were trying to find food, 
Like, where do we go? How do we survive this? This is what they experienced, the nation of Israel. You and I who've been blessed in this nation, we haven't experienced this firsthand probably. Probably the most we've wandered is, where can I find a gas station so I can fill up my gas tank? Have you ever really dealt with thirst and hunger pains? Closest I ever got, I remember a number of years ago, we were on a, on a mission trip with my daughter, and one final day we went to Arches National Park with one of our missionaries' daughters, and here I was, one of the first times I had visited a national park, and it was a hotter day, and I didn't heed all the things, get bunches of water, and we were taking a hike, and for the first time I was realizing, man, I don't have enough water. And I'm just feeding my water to these two girls because they needed the water. And here was real thirst and real hunger, real trouble that these people were running into. Just like the trouble that many of you deal with on various different levels, you're going to run into trouble. That's the first set of trouble. The second situation is of a prisoner. Look what it says in verse 10 and 11. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they have rebelled against the words of God. You know what? Sometimes your own sin will lead you into a very difficult predicament. Here, I think it was probably talking about literal imprisonment. Has your own sin led you to some very difficult trouble in your own life? Bad decisions, a forsaking of what God's word says. That's what that second situation and also the third situation reveals. Look what it says in verse 17. It says this, some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. What this seems to talk about is this, as a result of your own sin, you begin to suffer sickness. And what's suggested to me here is even Sometimes people in our own society allow substance abuse to destroy their health. Drugs, various things. He's saying here that these people, because of their sinful ways, they loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. The final trouble is trouble at sea. Look what it says in verse 23 through 27. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end. Maybe these people were trying to run from captivity or they were trying to make a living on the sea and they ran into this difficult trouble. Have you been in the storms of life and felt like your whole life was falling apart? Some of you may be feeling that right now. 
Notice what it says in verse 26. I thought it was interested, interesting. The they is referring to these people, not the waves. They mounted up to heaven. And of course, the sea is there, but it's referring back to here are these people. It's like they're being brought way up and then they're brought way down. And maybe you feel like your life is a big roller coaster and you don't know what's going on. And then it says this, their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. Some of you in your trouble right now, you feel that way. And then it says this, and then they were at their wits end. And the idea here is this, that they came to the end of their own seamanship. It was like, I can't do anything to get myself out of this storm. There is nothing that I can do. And when it says they were at their wits end, the idea here was this. All their skill was useless in dealing with their trouble. And I look at you in this room today and the trouble that all of you are experiencing. Some of you, you can't do anything to fix the situation on your own. And you are, as the Bible says, at your skill's end. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your parenting or your singleness. Maybe it's your, you're at your wit's end in reference to your career or your health. Or maybe it's you're at your wit's end with a relationship. We will all encounter trouble in this life. Man is born to adversity. But what do each of the testimonies also do? It does this. We must call on the Lord. It does not matter. I mean, it doesn't matter the different trouble that you have or whatever you're up against. You must do this. You must go to the Lord. And it really does depend on who you go to and who you call. Okay. Ask the Baal prophets that Elijah faced. They went to Baal and their request was not answered. You know, you can call 912 as much as you want. But if you don't call the right number, you're in trouble. You've got to call the right person. And who is it? There is a Lord and he is the God of heaven. And he's the one who tells you this, call unto me in Jeremiah 33.3. And I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Okay, whatever trouble you have right now, Lebanon Baptist Church, what are you supposed to do with your trouble? You are supposed to go to the Lord with your trouble. Now, that does not mean that he is going to answer it the particular way that you want it answered. Because remember, you and I have minimal wisdom. He is all wise. And when you begin to pray and call on the Lord, I have to do a lot of things to just check myself. I often have to do this. I have to check my motives. Are the motives that I have? The Bible says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. The Bible also says in James that we can ask, but we ask amiss that we can consume it on our own what? On our own lust. So you better check your motives, but also check your faith. 
Let him ask in what? Faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he should receive anything of the Lord. But then you also need to do this. When you pray and ask God, you need to submit your will to his. Not my will, but thy will be done. You are all wise and I submit to you. I'm going to call on you in my trouble. But I submit to you that you are the one who knows how to work in that situation And also check your sin. Are you someone right now living in sin? If I regard iniquity in my heart, what does the Bible say? The Lord will what? Not hear me. It's not that he doesn't hear. He hears everything. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. But if you've made the choice, I'm going to live this way. I don't care. And I'm going to be calling out to God. And you're rebelling against him to save you from the trouble. Go to him. We're supposed to do this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. So bring that trouble to him, casting all your care upon what? Him, for he cares for you. And what will the Lord do? What does it say in the text? He delivers them. And so the third thing I want you to see is this. We can trust in God's ultimate deliverance. That's found in verse 6. Let me read this to you. It says this. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Go down to verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Go down to verse 19. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And go to verse 28. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Do you think he has a point here? Okay. We are to know that we are going to encounter trouble. And sometimes that trouble comes knocking on our door because of our own sin. Sometimes that trouble is stuff that we have uninvited, like Job. There could be a whole warfare going on in heaven that you don't even know about because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. It could be something that you have no idea and you never will, this side of heaven, know what's going on, but you're going to have trouble. But you're supposed to call on the Lord. And what has he promised to do? He will deliver you. Through God we shall do valiantly. For he it is that shall tread down our enemies. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And you go through that list in Romans chapter 8. I love where it kind of ends with this. Neither any created thing can separate you from the love of God. Okay. If no created thing can, there's only one thing that's not a created thing, and that's God. And if he is for you, you have nothing to fear. What will he do? According to the text, he brought them to the city, ultimately. He brought them out of darkness. I love where it says he broke the bronze doors. That's the prisoner. He broke the bronze doors and the iron bars. He heals them. That's for the sick person. 
And then what does he do to the storm tossed? He calms the sea. And in the final section of the psalm, because I don't have the chance to, because it's 43 verses to dissect every text, but from verse 33 through verse 42, you could say, is what he does is he talks about how God is in sovereign control of everything. He's the one who ultimately curses and blesses. In verse 33, it starts with a curse and then it moves to a blessing. But ultimately, what will happen? Look what it says in verse 42. The upright will see it and they will be glad. And all wickedness shuts its mouth. Your God, your God is in control. So what should be the result? And that's the final thing. We must thank the Lord for his steadfast love. Notice what it says in verse uh, 8. It says this, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Look what it says in verse 15. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Look what it says in verse 21. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. And then verse uh, 31 Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Do you get the idea? What are you supposed to do? In your trouble, you're supposed to call out to the Lord, and guess what? He will deliver you in his particular way. And what are we to do? He expands on this in verse 22. He says this. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Okay, thankfully, guess what? Mark allowed you today to obey that command. Because we just sang like six songs in reference to joy of how God has delivered us. So what we were doing, even may you, not, may, you may not have felt like it, He wants you to be people that sing of those things. But not only that, look what it also says. We are to go public with our thanksgiving. Look what it says in verse 32. Okay, these are the people who were storm-tossed and they finally got to their desired haven and God rescued them. And some of them maybe were wandering to various parts of the world and they got to wherever city they were going to get to. It says in verse 32, let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Now, is that simply talking to these Jewish people about when they got to the synagogue, they were to do that? I submit to you they were supposed to do that, but I think what it's talking about here is oftentimes the elders would gather in the city gate And the congregation in other parts was not talking about a religious congregation. It was talking amongst the people. And the idea is this. God's people ought to go public with their thanksgiving for how he has delivered you. And and some of you are going to have that opportunity this week. You're going to be in various homes. And some of you are going to be in places that there's a lot of people who have no idea who God is. They've never met Jesus Christ. And maybe one of the things that you can do is you can extol him for delivering you 
And maybe you could share one instance in which God delivered you in some area of your life. But you say, well, what about me, Pastor Brian, where I'm in the trouble, I've cried to the Lord, but the storm's still going. It looks worse, in fact. Remember Habakkuk? You remember Habakkuk? What went on is this. He came to God and complained. He says, God, there's all this great trial coming on us. God, when are you going to deliver us? And God says, guess what? It's going to get worse. And so what does Habakkuk say? Though the fig tree shall not blossom, nor fruit be in the vines, the produce of the olive tree fail and the fields yield no food the flock shall be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stall the idea is okay has he seen the end of his deliverance yet not yet but what does he say yet i will rejoice in the lord i will take joy in the god of my salvation he wasn't delivered yet you could say from this God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. I'm sure today if I was to ask, I I wish we, I was thinking, man, we should have done another praise. I mean, we need to give you an opportunity to thank the Lord at some point. But if I was just to grab a microphone and just walk through this auditorium, we just looked at four 911 calls, but I guarantee today if I was to just hand to any of you who are genuine believers, you would be able to tell me about a 911 call you made to God at some point. And he delivered you from it. And you can praise him for that. But what we are to do is we are to continually do this all the day long. You may be amid trouble right now. Look to the Lord. Call on him. If he's not answering and he didn't answer in the way that you thought would be the best, you live by faith. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, all these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and lived like strangers and pilgrims on this earth. What does the psalmist end with? The psalmist ends with a final admonition. Look what it says in verse 43. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. You know what? There's wisdom in thanksgiving. It's interesting. Uh, This psalm ends in many ways like the book of Hosea ends. Many of you know Hosea was an exilic uh, prophet, talked in reference to the exile. But he ends in many ways like this. He says, whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and and the upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. And in the same way, one who writes in some ways around the same time says the same exact thing. He tells us, if you are wise, all of this psalm, you ought to attend. What does that mean? The word attend means to keep watch, to guard over these things. Make sure you're doing these things. 
And then finally, that term to consider the steadfast love of the Lord, the idea of that is this, you must be someone who thinks about God's steadfast love continually. His loving loyalty toward you, meditate on it. In fact, that's what Paul tells uh, the Ephesians to do. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in what? Love. And I think he's talking, I mean, chesed was the Old Testament word. Here in the New Testament, it's agape, that you would be rooted in God's love, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Lebanon Baptist Church, this is why he saved you. If Romans 1 tells you idolatry, you left the giving of thanks. The gospel brings you back to your original purpose, and that's this, to give thanks and live this way, because that's what you were created to run on. So wise, redeemed people give thanks to the Lord. That's why it says, let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. This is your purpose in life. As I mentioned to you how, how do you do how do you begin to do this if you've never done this before you begin by going to God's son and believing rightly about him and when you become a follower of Jesus he opens the door to a whole new life the incarnate wisdom of God at one point became human flesh I couldn't help but when you read or when I read to you that Psalm 107 about some were on the sea and they were being tossed to and fro and they were at their wits end. Anyone think of a a story in your Bible? You remember the story when Jesus and his disciples, okay, they're on the Sea of Galilee And if you've ever been to the Sea of Galilee, you know it's surrounded by mountains. And wind can oftentimes come up over those mountains and come crashing in on the sea. And and it could be totally calm at some point. But if the winds start coming in, that sea can very quickly become tempestuous. And evidently, that sea became so tempestuous that... Sailors who had lived their life on that sea, fishermen, were scared to death. And and what do they do? They have trouble, don't they? Like our text says, they have trouble. What are they supposed to do? According to what I told you, they're to cry to the what? They're to cry to the Lord. How do the how do the disciples do? Do they go to the Lord? Yes! Now, were they really considerate? You remember what they do? Don't you care that we're what? We're perishing. We're dying. Okay, and and the, the good thing is, some of you right now, you're just like those disciples. You're coming to God and you're like, don't you know I'm perishing? I'm dying. But at least they did the right thing. They went to the Lord, okay? And where was he? He was asleep on the pillow, literally says. 
And he awakes, and you know what? He rebukes the sea. He rebukes the sea, and they were amazed. And what do they say? Who is this one that even the winds and the sea obey him? Let me tell you, that one who was on that ship that day not only weathered a storm on Galilee, he weathered the storm on the cross for your sins. And if he delivered you from that, and he is your Lord, if God did not withhold his only son, but gave him up for you, shall he not with him also freely give you what? All things. So let me say, Lebanon Baptist Church, if there's anybody who can this Thanksgiving march into this week and give thanks in their trouble, it's you. Where are you at in this process? Are you just looking at the trouble? Have you gone to the Lord yet? Are you waiting on him? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Go to him, okay? Wise, redeemed people give thanks to the Lord. And you know what? Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And one day you're going to join the eternal praise when we all get to heaven. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Treasuring Scripture. It's our desire that every Christian treasure God's word in their heart. To follow our podcast, please hit the subscribe button. If you're interested in learning more about our church, please visit LebanonBaptist.org.